What's going on, FN Nation? Welcome back. This is the Fantasy Alarm 2-Minute Drill. Uh, thank you to Matt Sells for stepping in and covering for me last week on short notice. But I am Dan Malin, and I'm joined, as always, by James Grande. We are here to recap Week 8. Uh, a lot of chalk hit, both in Seasonal and DFS. We will get to the recap of the best performances, key injuries shortly. Grande, how did week eight go for you? For me, it was awful for season long, but it was great for DFS, and I will take that. I will take the instant gratification of money in my DFS bankroll <laughs> over season long woes. It's it's an okay balance, in my opinion. Um, my week eight was not as fruitful as yours, Dan. Um, in any regard, my uh, my big my seasonal league that I play with uh, fantasy alarms, Jonathan, Jonathan and Pemba, was awful. Uh, my running backs are awful. Uh, everything is falling apart. I started 4-0 in that league. I am going to be 4-4 four four in that league. Everything is going wrong. Um, Have I ever told you about the lineup that Coop and I drafted for Pros with Joes? No. I no. can't remember what, but we got a stud quarterback. I can't remember who it is. And then we just drafted all running backs. Oh, no. We didn't take a single wide receiver or a tight end, just all running backs. And last I checked, we were four and two. I mean, that is, I, it seemed like a sketchy uh, proposition at the beginning of the year, yeah. I would say, Dan. But that that has definitely flipped uh, fully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that has changed. But, yeah, it was a tough it was a tough week for me. Um, it, it stinks because we were just talking before we hopped on air. Uh, for, in the DFS world, I scored 175 points and I didn't cash. So like that's in tournaments, like that's stupid. I mean, it's just it's unfortunate. It's happen. There's like three weeks of that every year. Yeah, it's and it's the it's the weeks where every chalk play on the board hits, and that's exactly what happened. And you know, sometimes <clears> you live with it. And, I, and it's not that I didn't play chalk. Like, I played Tony Pollard. I played DeAndre Hopkins. Both of them had really big games. And But when you fade chalk like Miami, if, for anyone that plays DFS, when you see that there is mega chalk on the board um, and it hits, like, there's sometimes nothing you can do, especially when they're playing the Lions. Tua was chalk. He went nuts. Both his receivers were chalk. They both went nuts. Tyreek Hill is on pace to have the first 2,000-yard receiving season ever. He has his third 160-yard game of the year, which is just, like, it's just mind-blowing. And while that's happening, they're like, oh, hey, by the way, Jalen Waddell, how about you score the touchdowns today? So, like, <laughs> there's just sometimes when you have to look at your matchups in these chalky spots and say, you know what, it is good for me to eat chalk today. And this week, at the running back position, at the receiver position, and at quarterback, Everything hit. Everything you could have imagined, every chalk play hit. Um, and you know what? We take that and we move on. But it is a good lesson to learn, a, a lesson to be learned um, for me when, I, you know, even even as like someone who is in the industry regularly that d plays DFS, that provides content, you yourself, you we look at these matchups and look at results and say, you know what? Maybe in hindsight, I should have played two against the Lions. Maybe I should play anyone against the Lions. Maybe the Lions are actually the worst team ever once again, and we should always stack against the Lions. So that's that was my takeaway. No, they fired their defensive backs coach. Yeah, fired their defensive backs coach. Well, you know what? It's tough, it's a tough spot to be in when you're trying to guard uh, Tyree Kelly and Jalen Waddell. <laughs> Probably not his fault, but realistically, they've been terrible all year. So, yeah. um, you know, it's a learning experience. So, you know what, Dan? That's what I'll take away. It was a terrible week results-wise. 
but I learned something. Okay, that I learned. Knowledge is power. Uh, but we'll start with the running backs because they ran absolutely wild in week <laughs> eight, which is, I guess, refreshing because a lot of times on previous podcasts we've just sat here and we poo pooed the running back position for a long time, but they showed up this week. Brief rundown of all the big performances right here. Alvin Kamara, uh, three touchdowns, nine catches on 10 targets for over 150 yards. Uh, Christian McCaffrey threw, ran, and caught a touchdown to go with 149 <laughs> total yards. Derrick Henry, once again, ran for over 200 yards on the ground against the Texans. It's insane. He found the, the end zone twice. ET, Travis Etienne, 27 touches, which is insane. Uh, good for him. He absolutely deserves it. He looks electric. He's probably top 10 running back the rest of the year. Yep. He had 156 yards on the score. Tony Pollard steps in for Zeke. Three touchdowns, 131 yards on the ground. Yeah, Jerry Jones still thinks Ezekiel Elliott is the guy he does. Deontay Foreman, three touchdowns, over 100 yards. Dalvin Cook, over 100 rushing yards with a touchdown and five catches for 30 yards, which was refreshing because uh, the big concern with him heading into the season was that you know they just weren't going to throw many passes to the running back. This was a nice PPR performance for him. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, only 71 yards on the ground, but caught seven passes. Antonio Gibson also caught seven passes. We could go in so many ways with who we want to talk about most, but who stands out to you? Uh, it's it's got to be one of the, like I feel like, the three big guys, like either Kamara or CMC's quarterback, receiver, running back day. Where do you want to go from here? Well, I think, okay, so we'll just quickly run through the top three. I think we should talk about maybe the bottom guys just because I think the most fantasy relevance sure. might come from them. Kamara, I think we, I kind of hope he stays in New Orleans. Like, I hope that they are like, okay, we can win this division. We don't need to trade him because all those rumors to Philly, to Buffalo, you know, in theory, it's nice. And like, that's crazy to think about if he goes to Philly or Buffalo, like just cancel the season at that point. Cause we don't need to, we don't need to play out. We can just simulate to the end. Um, he's in a, in an amazing spot. McCaffrey. I mean, we saw with the implementation, Kyle Shanahan put him in. It's just insane. He is you know, presumably back to RB1 season um, overall. Derrick Henry, if you just can't fade the guy against the Texans. It just is what it is. Every, I think it's five games in a row now. I know you put in the notes again. I think that's five straight where he's had 200-plus yards against the Texans. It's incredible. ETN, I think, is safely in RB1 the rest of the year. Yeah. The Tony, okay, I think we should discuss Pollard. I think we should just discuss Foreman. And I think we should just discuss Antonio Gibson because those three – I think are the most attainable or should how our outlook on these three is probably the most murky of the bunch because in Gibson's case, the last two weeks have been dominated by Brian Robinson, right? All the snaps, all the carries Um, Gibson had been like, yeah, all the headlines and Gibson has been okay. And I I don't, you know, I, I don't think that they're like, Robinson obviously didn't do enough to go out and steal the job, but I don't think Antonio Gibson did enough in the beginning half of the year to keep the job, right? I think it's kind of a committee, but we saw Gibson again, or, you know, again, kind of be that bell cow. Now, I guess the question is, is he firmly cemented ahead of Robinson in your eyes, like rest of season? Or do you think that it's going to be a hot hand approach? Like, how do you approach Gibson? I think if you're, if you're, let's look at it from both coins. If you're an Antonio Gibson owner, how comfortable are you with Antonio Gibson? And if you're someone who, on the, are you someone that's looking to acquire Antonio Gibson, maybe in like a sell or in like a buy low range? Because yes, he had a good week, but he was benched the two weeks prior. He was second string. Like, 
How are you looking at Antonio Gibson rest of year? It's going to depend on the matchup, probably. Yeah. Um, I'm perfectly fine playing him, uh, I guess, this upcoming week against the Vikings. The following week, you know, they do get the Eagles. That's probably a matchup, especially on the road, that I don't want. Um, but again, it's a divisional matchup. Anything can happen in NFC East divisional games. But after that, I don't hate the rest of the schedule. What does concern me, though, is that this team is sitting at four and four. So they're not right. out of the division hunt by any means. But also, you have to take a hard look in the mirror because you're probably not going to catch Philadelphia. No. At best, this team is probably hoping for a wild card run. And even then, I still think that like the Cowboys and the Giants are far superior teams. And they, right. they, they also have two games on Washington as well. I think if the commanders cool off, then they will probably just do what most teams do at the end of the year, especially if Ron Rivera feels like he needs to do something to save his job. And at that point, I think they just lean a little bit more on Brian Robinson. You know, like maybe Robinson is still feeling some kind of side effects of the injury that he suffered right before the season. Um, he's still playing through it, and he's looked okay. He's done fine, as you mentioned. Um, he has found the end zone. But at a certain point, when you fall out of the race, you do need to take a long, hard look at your young right. talent. I think the commanders eventually, if they fall out of the race and they have no shot at making the playoff, later on in the season, I think it just does become a little bit more heavy with Robinson. So what do you think What do you think we can safely project um, – is Gibson more of an RB three with like RB two upside? Would you say the next couple of weeks? Yeah. As you mentioned, it's a it's a pretty that's probably where I'd slot him in. Like RB somewhere like I think that they would be fools to just not ride the hot hand. Agreed. And if this is a team that's going to be chasing points, then that's going to benefit Antonio Gibson if he's going to be getting four to six targets every game. Agreed. Um, what about in the case of Deonta Foreman? Because I think this this is a very very interesting subject because Foreman's looked great in two weeks but like if not for a Chuba Hubbard injury last week what is the split for these two guys because Chuba Hubbard started last week and then didn't play the entire fourth quarter in which Deonta Foreman had a 60-yard run-in didn't play the entire fourth quarter but we don't know if Chuba Hubbard's gonna come back it was apparently a mild sprain that he could have returned two weeks ago and then he didn't and then Foreman finishes the game, and then we see Foreman go absolutely berserk on Sunday. Like, what is your outlook on the Panthers situation? Do you think that they're also, like, just going to let Foreman go, like, nuts every week? And Tuba Hubbard's just, like, out of the equation? Because, again, like, it was Tampa. Like, they ran all over Tampa with Foreman with Hubbard. Hubbard had a touchdown in that first game. Like, what's your situ- what's your outlook on, like, the Panthers running back situation? And when they're fully healthy, like— what do you think that fantasy managers can, you know, expect from Foreman and and Hubbard? I think, you know, going forward, you can feel pretty good about starting Foreman. I don't see, right. especially after the game that he had last week you sure. know, against the Falcons. I don't think that you can necessarily uh, leave him on your bench. At, you have to find a way to at least flex him, yep. um, especially with a matchup against the Bengals coming up. I mean, the Bengals defense has done has looked a little bit better this year. Um, I still think that they can can be beaten. Like Bengals seem to, they just look like a team that's still in their Super Bowl hangover. Yep. Um, but the Panthers overall just they do strike me as a bit of a trap. I think that it it I just can't believe that this is a team that's going to fire their head coach and go with 
P.J. Walker, who I loved in his time as a St. Louis Battlehawk in the XFL. <laughs> uh, oh, shit. No, he was not on the Battlehawks. He was on, was he a Roughneck? I think he was on the Roughnecks. Yeah, he was, he was with Houston, so my apologies there. Um, but, like, I just don't know if I can fully buy into this offense yet. Because it's also just, it, it does seem like a performance where it's like, people are going to chase the three touchdowns. And it's it's not supposed to touchdowns that I liked. Of course it is. Uh, <laughs> I just did love the workload, too. But like you said, when Hubbard comes back, I could project it maybe being 60-40, 65-35 in favor of Foreman. But I do think that this offense and this team is going to be one that struggles. Uh, the game against the Falcons was awesome. And they have a rematch coming up in two weeks uh, in week 10. And so <laughs> will people chase those points and hope for another game? Maybe. I could also see that game being a complete dud. Right. I think it is a Thursday night game. Oh, dud. Yeah. <laughs> don't even, no, don't need to go any further. It's it's over. It's a wrap. It's going to be so, a 13-10 game. I mean, you got to start him in uh, this coming week. You have to at least flex him. He's probably going to be – he'll probably be a top 20 player in a lot of uh, pre-week nine rankings. Um, so I just don't see how you can sit him unless you're boasting a running back core of the likes of, you know, somebody that's regularly in the top five, maybe two guys in the top ten, and then you also have someone like maybe Travis Etienne that you took a flyer on or Kenneth Walker who you grabbed off waivers. Like, there could be some teams that are just loaded at the running back position. Yeah, I think the problem becomes, and especially in week nine, Dan, this is the bye week hell. Um, week nine and week 14. So week nine has six teams on bye week cleveland browns which means nick chubb potentially kareem hunt we don't know if he's going to be traded by tuesday um, because we do have to factor in the trade deadline is uh on tuesday the dallas cowboys so no pollard denver broncos i mean that situation is a nightmare but latavius murray has scored in two he he has scored twice in a row um yeah saquon barkley in the new york yeah and gordon i mean pittsburgh steelers and uh trent richard i mean uh Najee Harris, uh, Najee Harris is there, and uh, the, I mean, see, we don't get another week of CMC, so the Niners on by maybe we'll see a Jeff Wilson trade. Well, you never know, I guess. Um, but week nine is a, is a pretty tough running back week, so Foreman literally is going to sneak into QB two or running back two. Probably going to be ranked in the top fifteen. Now he's going to he's probably going to sneak into that. Um, maybe a top twelve. Upper room. We'll see with the Hubbard injury. Again, they said it was going to be mild. It was a mild injury. Could have returned. Then he sits the next game. You, you makes you wonder. Um, you know what? It, it, it was interesting though. How many carries did they gave Brown a bunch of carries? Spencer Brown six carries. Like even though Deontay Foreman had twenty six carries, Spencer Brown, whatever that is, had six carries. Whatever um, that is. So like. Well, everyone was Raheem Blackshear, Raheem Blackshear, Raheem Blackshear, and then Spencer Brown gets gets the backup work. So it does. It still does leave like kind of a sour taste in your mouth that Spencer Brown got six carries. I think they hold Chuba Hubbard in higher regard. So I agree. I think it's more of a 60-40. Um, and in by in week nine, if Chuba Hubbard's back, you might be forced to play him, especially if you have two or one of those running backs on a bye. Um, we don't. I guess we don't have to worry about the Zeke Tony Pollard thing in Week Nine because they, Dallas to on a bye. Well, um, let me ask you this though, because we were just talking about you know committees and backfields. What about the other side in the Atlanta game? Because we saw Tyler Algier find the end zone. Yeah. Uh, with three catches for 46 yards, and he had 14 carries. But Caleb Huntley also had 16 carries for 91 yards. 
And the Falcons do remain a team that is very run heavy. They carried, they ran the ball 37 times uh, on Sunday. Marcus Mariota did throw it 28 times, but they also needed overtime and a lot of volume to get there. Um, is the Atlanta backfield becoming one that's a little more muddy, especially with Cordero Patterson coming back? Yeah, I think this is the week he can return, too. I think week nine is slated for him. He can be activated. I don't think he was activated on Monday. At least um, I didn't see if he was. Let's see if there was official. Because um, I know today was the the first day he could have been. Um, we are recording Monday night for anyone that's curious. Uh, he did have he posted those videos like earlier in the week where he's running. He looked good. Um, look, Arthur Smith has no Fs given about our fantasy teams, and he's going to continue to run the ball every week. Um, so I don't know if we can really trust, like, I think Caleb Huntley is going to fall down the depth chart. I think it's going to be CPAT. Uh, maybe one day Damian Williams will return from this rib injury that's apparently kept him out for, <laughs> for seven weeks, and I've just stashed him on my IR for no reason for all that time, right? Um, I think Algier still holds some value. Um, he hadn't really been tr- contributing in the past game, so that. But not to say he couldn't. They just don't throw the ball enough for that to like matter. Yeah. Um, I think CPAT is a really interesting option. What is his? I wonder how many people kept him in ESPN leagues, right? Because he's injured. Stash him on IR. They did. Yeah, eighty percent rostered. I just. Yeah. I was just curious, like, because if you didn't but have at the an same IR. Time, there are very shallow leagues where quarter you don't have IR. Yeah. Or you don't have IR spots. Right. And I think he's a must own. Like he's, he's a must own just given yeah. first off the phone. Well, we know he's not going to be right. available in those leagues. Right. Right. But just for speaking to those um, leagues that do don't have IRs or are shallow, like you mentioned, um, they run the ball and that's, that's pretty much the point. I think Huntley is probably droppable once we see Cordell Patterson return and it's going to be CPAT. It's going to be Tyler Algier in a committee. Uh, CPAT, I, look, they're cl- they're winning the division. And they are in the lead. They clearly care about winning the division. I think they have a chance because everyone's bad. Um, they're not going to change their game plan for anybody. So uh, CPAT is going to be the leader of that committee. We saw it earlier in the year. Um, no reason to think that doesn't continue to be the case especially if he's coming off ir and they deem him healthy like there's no reason to you know suspect he would be limited in any capacity right you're they're not activating him if he's not healthy so um cpat's going to be the the alpha there with algier as the backup i think there's still room for algier to be you know flex of flex ish on weeks where there's um running backs on buys and stuff so all right, spend enough time talking about the running backs. Let's talk uh, about the best wide receiver in the game of professional football. Cooper Cup went down with an ankle injury. Sean McVay acknowledged that he was kicking himself, pretty pissed off that he kept Cup in the game for those meaningless late fourth quarter downs. Uh, we have to see that the ankle response. Obviously, we're going to monitor it throughout the week. However, news did break on Monday that they do expect him to play. Uh, take that with a grain of salt because that could easily change by the time we get to Friday's practice reports. If he practices in full on Friday, you can feel very good about him playing on Sunday. If he is limited, then you need to be worried and have a backup plan in place. 
But who are some guys that you think could be worth picking up? Uh, I saw earlier, I think on ESPN leagues, I think Kadarius Tony is available in about 50% of leagues. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, I believe, is becoming more readily available after people may have dropped him. But then Christian Watson has a con- now has a concussion. Devin Duvernay could benefit uh, with Rashad Bateman out for a few weeks. <laughs> Allen Robinson didn't look awful against the 49ers. And I saw a stat somewhere that said heading into week eight, he actually led the league in end zone targets, which yep. kind of blew my mind. Uh, but who are you looking at as a potential replacement if Cooper Cup is to miss time? Yeah, I mean, obviously Kadarius Tony is interesting because he says he's not injured. Um, he took the tweet down, but we'll see. I mean, obvious implementation in this Chiefs offense is elite. Um, I love Romeo Dubs, even though the Packers stink. Um, you know, Christian Watson hurt again. Alan Lazard, who knows with the shoulder. He's been injured all year, it feels like. So Dubs is obviously in play. I want the the Ravens to use Duvernay more on the ground. Like, he's so electric with the football. He had the rushing touchdown this week. Um, so, you know, I'm perfectly fine going there. Um, I guess the Giants receivers will see, it doesn't matter this week because they're on a bye week, which stinks. Um, I think both those guys are viable. I think the, the Colts guys looked pretty good with, um, with Sam Ellinger, uh, Paris Campbell had another like decent week and that's mainly aided by like a big run that he had, but they're still putting the ball in his hands. I think him and Alec Pierce, Sam Ellinger, had like a pretty good rapport. Um, we saw Pierce catch a ball downfield. Allen Robinson, I think the Allen Robinson thing, and it was kind of what I was like interested to see, was the Van Jefferson um, addition, because with Van Jefferson back, that opens up, like Van Jefferson's their field stretcher. Like he is their guy that stretches the field, was last year, that allowed Cooper Cup to do what he did on the interior, that allowed OBJ when he caught on there um, to get free. I think Van Jefferson could be a very deep, 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 deep league ad. Um, he only played, he was scheduled to play 40 snaps. Um, that's what Sean McVay said. Let's see how many snaps uh, he ended up playing. He ended up playing 23 snaps, which immediately was third on the team, Out ran more routes than Ben Skoranek. Ran more routes than Tyler Higby. Um, so Van Jefferson, I think, could be interesting. Um, again, 23 routes in his first game back, I think is interesting. And I know the Rams' offense looks terrible, but they looked decent in the first half of that game. Like, I think the second half, they just didn't know what they were doing. And they got and they got Christian McCaffrey, and I think everything just fell apart. Um, so if there's no cup, I mean, stay in the same offense and maybe go Van Jefferson uh, as an option as well. Cool. Uh, I had a note about A.J. Brown's awesome day. I don't think we need to necessarily recap it, but three touchdowns in the first half. Could have had a fourth in the second half, but all around just absolutely phenomenal day by him. Uh, Last topic, because we spent so much time on the running backs. Are we concerned about Lamar Jackson? Uh, He has only thrown for over 250 yards once all year. He's only thrown for two over 225 yards just once since week two, and that came Sunday against Tampa Bay, or Thursday against Tampa Bay, rather, sorry. Uh, he also hasn't rushed for a touchdown in the last five games. Uh, it's going to take a really bold call to have to sit him uh, for, I'm guessing, somebody like Tua, Carr, Cousins, maybe a streamer, a really good matchup. Obviously, like most weeks, Lamar Jackson is going to be ranked in the top five, but he's just not hitting his ceiling, which we've only really seen once since week two in Miami. And this is a contract year where he is gambling on himself. He's taken the Aaron Judge gamble. Yep. 
are we concerned that maybe is he just not living up to the first round price tag? Well, I shouldn't say first round price tag because uh, I mostly play like super flex and two QB leagues, obviously in standard leagues. Right. He's not a first round pick, but do we think like he can still hit his ceiling or is, or is this, you know, 18 to 22 point performance, just what we're going to get week after week from Lamar. And we're not going to see as many 30 to 35 point games. I mean, the, I don't like disagree with anything you just said. I think that it's obviously been disappointing and his season has really been aided by two big weeks to begin the year. But when you look at like the quarterback position as a whole, Dan, like it, like you have to be in a really shallow league to have like two quarterback options that you could play like, and one of them being a better option than Lamar Jackson, like the quarterback position has been extremely, extremely, extremely volatile. You have Jalen, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, and then it's like everyone else, right? Like it's there's there's no week eight was not a good week for the elite quarterbacks. Yeah, it it wasn't. And and let's look at Joe Burrow tonight. Like we're at halftime. There's zero score. I mean, Cleveland. We're five minutes left before half. Cleveland. Might be the first looking like a Thursday night game. It is looking like a Thursday night game. So like I I I know what you're saying. And like obviously if you're a Lamar Jackson drafter, you're frustrated because you want him to compete for the QB one overall. Like that's what you drafted him to be. You drafted him to be the MVP of two years ago and you haven't gotten that. But he's still in, like he's still averaging 23 fantasy points per game at the quarterback position. There's only six quarterbacks averaging 20 or more fantasy points this year. He is one of them. He's averaging the fifth most. Um, and again, aided by two weeks, yes. But like, unless you have Josh Allen, unless you have Jalen Hurts, unless you have Patrick Mahomes, unless you have Joe Burrow, those are the only four guys that are better than him. Um, you're not benching him for Taylor Heineke. I know he's been good to start. You're not benching him for Geno Smith. I know Geno Smith's been good. You're not benching him for, I mean, even Herbert hasn't been good. Herbert was the second quarterback off the board this year. I'd still, ha- I'd rather have Lamar Jackson at this point than Justin Herbert. Um, I think there a, a few things have hurt him. I think the injuries at, his, at the receiver have hurt him a lot. I think the Mark Andrews looking kind of like a shell of himself the last two weeks has really hurt. Um, and, you know, maybe the running back position keeps getting injured doesn't help him either. Like, he is trying to preserve his body. He is on a contract year. Like, that is something that's probably going through his mind. Like, I don't need to take as much punishment. But if his running back keeps getting hurt, he might have to. So uh, I think things are looking good for him. The next couple of weeks, Saints, Panthers, Jaguars, Broncos, Steelers, Browns, Falcons. That is the schedule for Lamar Jackson. That's as good as it gets. I, I don't hear one bad matchup unless you get the Saints defense of last week. There is not one bad matchup in that bunch for Lamar Jackson. He should and could finish a top three quarterback. I don't think anyone would bat an eye. So I, I get where you're coming from, but it I think there is a, there's a pot of gold at the end of the Lamar Jackson. Tunnel. Both both for him contractually and for us as fantasy owners. Uh, did you have any believe it or not, or are we just, I mean, we just spent so much time on the running back. Do you believe the Raiders are the worst team in the NFL, and do you think Devontae Adams is washed? No, it's just an awful situation <laughs> for him. Right 
What uh, the hell happened yesterday? <laughs> I don't believe the Raiders are the worst team in the NFL. Um, I think that they're a bottom four team in the NFL, probably. Uh, that was bad, dude. That was the Saints defense had been very bad. <laughs> it was ugly. I feel bad for anyone that was still chasing the uh, Josh Jacobs high from the yep. previous like three or four weeks. Um, ugh. yeah, it's ugly. The AFC West has just been kind of underwhelming, especially with the the subpar play of Justin Herbert, as you mentioned. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about Russell Wilson. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah. It's just That's... like the AFC West is just going to be given to the Chiefs again. I think that we can just settle on the fact that Josh Daniels, Josh McDaniels is just not a good coach. He's just an OC. Great There's... coordinator. Yeah. He should just not, he's not a good head coach. Dude, there are people like that, right? Like, if you... You can make you can have a great career in the NFL as a coordinator. You can have a great career as a coordinator. You don't need to always be a head coach. And I think that's we're learning about Josh McDaniels. I think we're learning that about Lovey Smith. Um, I think there's. A, I'd be a curious to see what Josh McDaniels could do in college. The uh, he's gonna go like like uh, yeah. I mean, but the reality reality is that. If and when he gets fired by the Raiders, he just Bill Belichick is just going to bring him back to New England, like Bill Belichick does with everyone. I mean, they. I mean, isn't Matt Patricia calling plays like they could at this point? Like they could use anyone but Matt Patricia calling plays. Yeah, and I mean, I get I won't on it too much just because it it hasn't been like the team's four and four, right? And in the preseason, it was a disaster. Now, is, <laughs> have they done a complete one eighty in the regular season? No. But it hasn't been as awful as it was in the right in the preseason. Um, so I'm I'm not going to sit here and complain about it because the team's four and four. Okay. They're in the hunt for the wild card. <laughs> uh, we obviously can't take our victory laps because that only happens when both our teams win. Right. Right. Um, sorry. Sorry. We had two drop punts. Two your drop team is punts. Two, minus four and four. What are you apologizing for? Two drop punts, man, in critical moments. Just like you know, just. Why are we saying you drop the first punt? Shame on you. You drop the second punt. Shame on everyone for sending you back out there. You know, so first first mistake Brian Dable's made as a head coach, sending Richie James back, who's already fumbled like four punts this year, sending him back out again. Like, uh, anyways. <laughs> uh, well, I guess that's going to do it for week eight. Sorry for the rant at the end. Uh, but Grande, best of luck to you and to the FA Nation in week nine. Make that money everywhere, season-long, DFS, but best of luck to everyone in Week 9.